Welcome to the 3v3 Podcast, your socially distanced hockey chat show. Here are your hosts, Cassie, Pat, and Patrick. How how do I start one of these things again? It's because um, I, 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 I haven't done one in so long. You been- say out of abundance of caution, and then you go with it. <laughs> blurt it out, man. Just blurt it out. I have been deemed unfit to play. All other communications will come from the league. No, wait, that's the other thing. Um, the question has been delayed for um, two weeks because uh, of. Uh, yeah, we need we need we need a we need a recon we need a reconciliation vote. Um, all all kidding and jest aside, give me your starting six with player numbers greater than sixty six. And less than 99. And go. Cassie, please. I need you to lead off because yours will be a better team, I, I have a feeling. Uh, maybe. <laughs> but I do have to say that, Pat, you rubbed off on me this week. Um, <laughs> oh, no. I'm so sorry. Bit of warning. Um, so I think we're all going to end up with Braden Holtby as our goalie. <laughs> Uh, incorrect. This is also <gasps> incorrect. Oh, well, okay. Then I ended up with Braden Holtby <laughs> as my goalie. Um, number 70, uh, PK Subban, number 76, Paul Claffey, number 77. And then I just, I couldn't resist. I had to do it. I knew that there were others on the list I could have picked, but I just had to do it. It was, it was right there. Mogilny, Burry, Fedorov, 89-96-91. Thank you. Thank you so, for including Burry. So so that's that just as a side note, uh, the only time they ever played together on the line that wasn't World Juniors was in the nineteen ninety-six World Cup of Hockey. They never played together otherwise, like no Olympics, no World Cups, no nothing. Just that one particular tournament. So this is where Pat rubs off on me. As I'm going through this, I'm noticing that a lot of high numbers are Detroit Red Wings players. And so I made up a a starting five because Detroit didn't have any goalies in that number, like, range. Uh, But I do have a a Detroit Red Wings um, starting five. Also, um, 83, Trevor Daly, 77, Paul Coffey, 91, Fedorov, 81, Marion Hosa, and 96, Tomas Holmstrom. Look at you. Fancy. Mm-hmm. Well, now. All right. Mm-hmm. So, of course, I took this assignment a little too literally. And I, you know, made it more difficult on myself. So I picked. No. A, I, I know, I know. Um, I picked a, a starting six where all the numbers are greater than 66, less than 99, but they were not the primary number you may remember this player wearing. There's one caveat. <laughs> Uh, let me start in goal. Uh, number 70 for the Boston Bruins in the 0203 season. Oh, good God. Tim Thomas. Thomas. Yep. I saw that and I was like, nope. I noped right out of that one. Uh, I, I will say he is my only non Hall of Famer on my list. Well, right in front of him. And it pains me to do this. Number 96 on defense for the Washington Capitals and Toronto Maple Leafs and year blah, 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 Guggenglobin, uh, Phil Housley. (laughs) The only other defenseman I could just, I I shoehorned him in there and had to remove Pavel Burry from my roster, uh, much to my chagrin. Uh, Playing next to him, number 74 for the Boston Bruins in the 01 uh, 2000, 2001 season. Uh, the aforementioned Paul Coffey. Oh, that's right. 
Yes. Oh, I forgot about that. Yeah. Mm -hmm. He he really had a tough time choosing then. Uh, and then up front, uh, number 94 in your programs for the Hartford Whalers, one Brendan Shanahan. Yeah. I had Shanahan on my list. Now, one that may be remembered for, for wearing this uh, number. I'm going to, I think I'm going to start him on the wing. Uh, number 77 for the New York Rangers, one Phil Esposito. Esposito, yeah. And then starting at Sember, center, number 88 for your Quebec Nordique, Joe Sackick. Yep. Mm -hmm. I was wondering if someone was going to take that one. And and things got a little tricky, and I'll I'll uh, I'll rattle off some honorable mentions after we hear from you, Patrick. Oh, I um I I um, I had to do homework. <laughs> oh, I thought you were Wait. just going to name off, you know, the latest All Star team. You know, so <clears throat> okay. Would okay, you like fine. help? I can give you help. No, fine, <laughs> fine, Mister and Ms. Fancy Pants, eighty eight in net. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah Andre you know, Vasilevsky. I'll... That's right, Andre <laughs> Vasilevsky. Seventy-seven, starting on your defense from Sweden. Did you Victor just go with Tampa? <laughs> no, I, I, I said all-star team because I, I'm sure there are two, four, at least one forward not on the Tampa Bay Lightning with a high number. Number ninety-eight. From Russia, Mikhail <laughs> Sergachev. Uh -huh. Now, I'm doing this just to torture you guys at this point. <laughs> and up front, starting on left wing, from Canada, number 97, Connor McDavid. Starting at center, from Russia, number 91, Sergei Fedorov. Fedorov. Hmm. Mm hmm. And starting on right wing, just because I wanted to throw something different in there, number 67, Max Pacioretty. There you go. Say, so, yeah, I had started down my list in like the top five, or the first five, I guess, were all like, I had, I had a six-man squad. And I was like, I almost went with that. 67, Pacioretty. 68, Yager. 70, Holtby. 71, Evgeny Malkin. 72, Matthew Schneider. 74, John Carlson. Yeah, I... I, I almost stopped there, and I was like, no, you, I guess... You I couldn't know. sneak... Who was it? Andrew Desjardins, or was it Mel Engelstad is number 69 in there? Yeah, that's right. Desjardins mm -hmm. did wear it for a season. Um, yeah, I was going to do Pierre Turgeon, though. I think he had 72. I uh, He was on my short list, for sure. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I really... I kind of wanted to put Yager on there, but I, I didn't figure he and Fedorov would get along. <laughs> <laughs> Whose ego would win that one? <laughs> See, there's that's exactly the problem. Connor McDavid is just like, you know, uh, hockey Asperger's. He doesn't care. Max Pacioretty is right. Max, Max Pacioretty is just happy to be there. Fedorov is just like, okay, there's enough room for my ego up here. Sergachev and and Hedman. See, he'll get a fine he'll get along fine with the other two Russians, right? Sergachev and Vasilevsky. Right. He'll be fine with those two. And then, right. And then Hedman's just like, whatever. <laughs> I, <laughs> what? I play I play hockey. <laughs> Actually, Swedes tend to speak more more better English. Yeah. <laughs> More the native English speakers, yes. More grammatically and phonetically correct English than most of us do. So mm -hmm. that's how you spot. That's how you spot the uh, the people who are visiting. Their English is perfect. <laughs> yes, I do say it was a proper game of hockey out there this evening. <laughs> Righto. Uh, the only other names I kind of had on here were. Guys, clearly at the either beginning or most of these are end of their career where they end up on a certain team. Marion Gabrick wore 82 for a cup of coffee. Uh, Jerome Aginla wore 88. Yeah. But I couldn't put him in over Sackick. Just couldn't do it. Uh, 
Mike Madonna wore 90 with said Detroit Red Wings. Mm-hmm. Taylor Hall briefly wore 91. Um, Bernie Nichols wore 92. Your mileage may vary. Uh, and then Essa Tikkanen actually wore 97 before it became in vogue. Yeah, and see, I I also hemmed and hawed about throwing Jumbo in with 97 now that he's officially wearing it. A uh, uh, team scrimmage doesn't count as an official game in my book. That is his number in the lineup. Yeah, if it's on the official roster, it counts until he changes it. So once upon a time, I used to work on a website where we had a ranking of every individual who played for a certain franchise. And you only got your name on that if you made it into the game sheet as actively playing. So sorry, all you backup goaltenders who never got in. Uh, you don't make the cut. Yeah, and also I, my my other thing was if that was their um, training camp jersey, and they might have played one NHL game in that number. No, sorry. Yeah, pre preseason doesn't work for me, but I'm the no fun person on the pod. So you are the thief of joy. <laughs> Kill joy. No, he, I, that's a little too violent for Pat. Mm, right, no, right. I, I'm I am the two. 2001 New Jersey Devils really sucking the life out of out of the game. Jacques Lemaire did his best. I mean, come on. Look, <laughs> the 94 team or 94 and 95 teams, they they could score some goals. Suck at the 2001 team. Yeah, but there were all right, 2003. Then can we can okay. we disagree? Okay, okay, that's fine. I was trying to split the difference for all the eras. You mean eras in this era? Era. I almost had on my Detroit team, I almost put in Wendell Clark because he was with Detroit one year and he was wearing 71. Ooh. Or 74, I think it was actually. I had it crossed out. <laughs> and I thought, see a bigger name than Thomas Holmstrom or not? What about uh, Stefan Weiss? He he was up there. Yeah. I think he was also a uh, Mike Madonna. Maybe he was the inspiration for Madonna wearing number 90. Mm. And now yeah, all the kids in St. Louis will wear it from now on because oh, of yeah, the of new captain. Yeah. Oh, oh, O'Reilly. Yeah, but what what's the hook at the end? Because he, any we should not associate that player with automotive vehicles anymore. Or I mean, maybe we should. <laughs> well, no, it's an auto parts store, so he would yes. need auto parts, right? To right. repair. I mean, the fact that they haven't done the uh, the advertising deal is beyond me, but. <clears throat> You might not have that in uh, in that area. Uh, I think it's called something different in that region. Yeah. Oh, is this a Hardee's Carl Jr. issue? I think Possibly. so. Same company. Same company, but couldn't get the trademarks in certain regions to do business, even though they're national. Oh, well. Still waiting on that Tim Hortons in uh, Missouri, though. <sighs> Well, there's enough Canadian expats down there. They should just open one. Mm, I mean, yeah. they're owned by the same company that owns Burger King, right? Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, go for it. <clears throat> Let them have their burnt coffee and stuff down there. They're yes, chicory I, burnt coffee because regular burnt coffee is Starbucks. That's, oh, God, Starbucks. <laughs> yes, I just besmirched Tim Horton's coffee. You can all send hate mail to... At Pat Clark. <laughs> I know that's not my real, I know that's not my last name, but it's a pseudonym I have. Like Rusty, like Rusty Shackelford. That's a good one. I like it. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> I didn't really have a hell of a lot out this week. I mean, other than I just feel awful for Corey Crawford. I mean, I know 
there's a lot of people out there like, oh, way to leave is high and dry. Yeah, you go through the health problems that he's had over the last four years and come back and tell me who's leaving who out to dry. You know, mm-hmm. he. I can guarantee you that man did not want to do end it this way. No. Rarely do do athletes get to end it the way that they want to. It's usually right. health issues that push them out. Right. I mean, other than Ray Bork, name someone who went out the way they wanted to. <laughs> I have just a few names, but of, it just doesn't work. Just it, made me think of Peter Forsberg. Um. <laughs> As I stare in his glowing eyes at my new calendar uh. for the year. You're gonna go make me look at my hockey ultimate team cards because I just <laughs> I just got my Peter Forsberg this week this past Yay! week. So now I have a wing of Forsberg and Sackick, and now I have to go collect a bunch of Abs players so I can get Tangay out there with them. Tangay, Deadmarsh. They don't have a Deadmarsh card available. But I've seen. <gasps> no, no that's sacrilege. I know, sacrilege. Right? And no Scott Young card. Lecision, Curtis, Lecision. Lecisions, Lecisions. You know, these are all the tough decisions we have to make. <laughs> no Uve Krupp, no Curtis Lecision. Oh, no. Uve Krupp. Man, someone should really hire him in the NHL. He's doing such good things with the German national team. I know, but I kind of unless he doesn't want there. to. I mean, he, I kind of want to leave him over there. I want to, I want him to keep producing some more German players. And you know, I kind of I'm starting to feel the same about Richard Kronberg in Sweden. Just mm-hmm. leave him over there. Yeah, because you know, let him churn him out. I'll gladly See, take him. That's that's <laughs> what that's what Yager should do. He should retire and start building up the Czech national team again because it's not what it was. So that's what he should do. Yager will do that and still play. He's not going to retire to do that. He's yeah, that's what I was going to say. He's going to flank two kids. Yeah, one, he'll just one take one them on the ice one with wing, him. And, yeah. uh, when the team gets in trouble, you throw the puck in the corner, he'll fish it out for you. Mm-hmm. Or he'll just hang on to it for 15 or 20 minutes while you guys figure out what you need to be doing, you know, because baby got back. Mm-hmm. Yager yeah. got back. <clears throat> Uh, so what about the uh, what about the Dallas Stars and the Pittsburgh Penguins and the Columbus Blue Jackets? Oh, and are the Vancouver Canucks and the Canucks. Well, oh. <laughs> speaking of Canucks, if I can take a quick moment to sidebar here, because Lord knows we don't ever do anything where we go off topic and get Never. Lost in weeds. Um, Friedman posted a link to an article this morning that had probably one of the best single snark lines I've ever seen. That was basically, this marks the first fight in Vancouver Canucks training camp, not on Twitter. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, And I can't think of anyone, you know, I would rather slew foot more than Adam Gaudet. (laughs) But, yeah. So, anyway, sorry. I had to, that was, that was just beautiful shade. Um... So when's the season supposed to start again? And how oh, no. many teams are we going to have out before then? <laughs> it will start on Wednesday because it's there will be nationally televised games in, in certain regions in North America, shall we say. Now, who will be participating in those nationally televised games? Complete <laughs> different story. <laughs> it's still subject to the next few days. Wait, you mean broadcasters are going to have to be flexible in their schedules and change things at the last minute, possibly? Oh, you mean they shouldn't be publishing a full 58-game schedule with all the television dates out from the get-go? With the teams that they plan on on showing? No. (laughs) Like the Pittsburgh Penguins and Vancouver Canucks? Yeah, that's not going to work. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> so is it a game if only one side shows up is it a game if only one side's allowed to show up <laughs> <laughs> so if only one side's allowed to show up 
At what point during the year might the league have to introduce forfeits? I do not think they will introduce forfeits at all. Mm -mm. They're going to end up doing what they did at the end of the last season, which is just even if teams haven't played the same number of games, they'll just call it the end of the season and start playoffs. Yeah. Now, I know it wouldn't have ever been negotiated into any sort of agreement. But the way to make this all work is if if the team has to shut down for a game after, let's say, February 1st. We, we, we give them a couple weeks runway. But after February 1st, anything that you can't play becomes a forfeit, and you don't get paid for that day. That's not going to fly. No, it's not going to fly. <laughs> but as we saw, there was only technically one opt-out for this season. And you have to imagine it was all financially motivated for players. Like, Opting out of a postseason where you're not being paid is one thing. Taking away from your livelihoods and like there are guys that just can't afford long term thinking to to have sat out. So putting that extra pressure on them to basically do what most rational people have been doing or say they've been doing. I don't know. Might might it mitigate some of these issues? We're already seeing this early. I don't know about that. <laughs> I'm not saying it's going to work, but... I, I, th- I think this is one of those scenarios that uh, they've got the taxi squad. To the best of my knowledge, they're still allowed to do call-ups if the NHL is going to be playing. They are. So, while it won't be as it, it 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 shouldn't be as potentially bad as the Denver Broncos starting like their fifth string wide receiver at quarterback to complete a game, <laughs> it wouldn't surprise me to see one or two games where you know, like your traditional four of your traditional top six players are deemed unfit to play for the next two weeks. Well, and then I mean the only the only thing that the only problem they'd run into is if they don't have a goalie. I was about to ask which team is most likely to run into an e-bug situation. Can they do an e-bug situation at this point? I mean, I think they still have to because it's still part of the game day requirements. Because you only dress like an away team is may or may not travel with their third goalie. We'll only have two players dressed. You just have to have an extra backup. So so here's my question. Is they have back-to-backs in this schedule, right? I haven't looked at it in a while. Uh, some. Okay. So let's say a team gets, gets um, five positive COVID tests. They play... Three games in three days or four days. And that means that you have three other teams that potentially could have COVID as well. (laughs) So there you go. You have four teams in a division that suddenly now has to figure out what they're doing. With their lineups. With their lineups, with... I mean, because, you know, it's it's a highly contagious thing, right? And if they're all sweating on each other by, like, if they're actually, and they are, having body checking, you know. Um, Wait, I thought Ontario wasn't going to allow body checking. Oh, no, that, that that's just for the OHL. I, I was being sarcastic. So, yeah, oh, I mean, I, I what, also what think- if it... I guess what I'm saying is what if an entire division just ends up going down for two weeks? <laughs> and what if it's the North? Or the Northeast, the Atlantic. No, no, no. What if it's the North Division? Mm. Because I have some thoughts on this North Division. Uh, oh, I have thoughts on this North and, Division. And the think pieces have been written and recorded. All seven Canadian teams decimated. By COVID. Due to COVID, God, just that would be something. Um, (laughs) I I understand, Pat. You have a you have some bones to pick. (sighs) 
with so, Merrick and Friedman or a little bit. And then, you know, Wednesday of last week happened. So my, my stance has softened, but last Monday they released a podcast and they were talking, should the North division as it's constructed continue beyond the season? Oh, shocker. <laughs> I'm I'm very much team Elliot on this one where he's like it makes a lot of sense but I don't like it it doesn't work for me but logistically it makes a lot of sense in the short term and during their discussion their back and forth a lot of what they were talking about was how the league can chase revenue right now. And for me, okay, it makes sense. It makes your broadcast partner in Sportsnet very happy. And Friedman was very transparent saying that. But the more they were talking about it, and I have to say, I re-listened to it this morning, and if this, you know, if Patrick was going to tee me up like he did, I had to, I had to come prepared with my my two pages of notes because I'm a nerd. Um, what what the folks at home can't see is that Pat was literally shaking notes, and I'll remind you that we can't see it either because we don't do this via teleconferencing. Right. No, but you know it happened. And thankfully, I have good audio equipment, so it didn't quite pick up the noise. <laughs> um, but the idea was you chase it. You guarantee certain revenues. It'll probably help with playoff gate totals. But their entire argument was coming from a Canadian one broadcaster and fans perspective. And what they fail to realize is one, this is only treating the symptom like an immediate problem. Now to do it now makes sense in a pandemic state. It makes sense in the short term for recouping revenue. Somewhat, except for that whole pesky, the entire league is run off of the U.S. currency. All their accounting is done in the U.S. currency, and all those Canadian teams only bring in Canadian currency. Now, market fluctuation prices, et cetera, et cetera, but is that really going to bring in more money long term? Or is it just going to... Okay, we're we're just trying to take care of something today, but not really fixing anything per the, you know, NHL bylaws. So what they're really going for, I think, cuz cuz you're missing out on the on the gate, you know, money from Canadian teams visiting the US cuz there's a lot of Canadians fans in the Northeast. There's a lot of, you know, Toronto fans all over. You know, you you're going to miss out on on the away team invasion when the Canadian teams visit. Yep. But <clears throat> so in that respect, they are probably actually going to lose money. But what they're probably thinking is playoffs, right? So Oh, absolutely. The idea that you can frame it both ways, that a Canadian team is gifted a spot in the semifinals of the league or the conference finals if they completely restructure for next year out of necessity again. Uh, it makes sense. But what happens five, ten years from now? Because just like you said, they're not going to go to a you play only within your division. We're not going to a baseball American League, National League setup where you don't you don't play against each other for that very reason that you said, Cassie. But then, you know, Jeff, I, I think Elliot actually floated. Well, maybe you do a certain weighted schedule where certain Canadian teams that are draws. Sorry, Ottawa and Winnipeg. Uh, you play down in Florida twice as much as everyone else. And that's just dancing around the issue of when franchises that were set up to lose back in the 90s, you know, your Florida expansion teams that just haven't figured it out therefore haven't sustained any level of success to build up a fan base. And then you deal with what I'm going to call the movie critic phenomenon, which I'll get to in a second. 
you're just you're just spinning your tires and you're just having this franchise sit there basically so the Toronto Maple Leafs of the world can get to an 82 game regular season. Like if this were still a 12 to 18 team league without plans for expansion, they couldn't they couldn't continue to run, you know, a 76 to 82 game schedule and see the same returns that they have been financially. At least, you know, in the late 2010s and whatever we're going to call this next decade. The 20s. So if the 1920s were the roaring 20s, what the heck will we end up calling this decade coming up? Because we're off to a rousing start. Well, so was the roaring 20s, though, because it was at the end, because they were still mopping up the Spanish uh, flu epidemic at that point. But yeah. Which I love that we still call it the Spanish flu, even though the first origin case was actually in the United States. Yeah, and uh, the only reason it's called the Spanish flu is because um, Spain was the only one who reported on it openly. Everybody else was repressing yep. the uh, media. Yep. Hmm. So take that, you Chinese flu people. Mm-hmm. Patrick's <laughs> History Corner brought to you today by... <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, um, going back to what you're saying, Pat. Um, I mean, once once they decided that they needed to have a Canadian division, I knew that this was going to happen. I knew that the pundits and, and Canadian fans are going to start talking about how we should just keep it this way. Yeah. Because, because it, quote unquote, only makes sense. Yeah, and it only makes sense when you're not playing 82 games. If if the number is in the 50s and you can, quote unquote, mitigate the travel issues going across time zones and satisfy broadcast partners, because here's the funny thing about Canada. It's really easy to watch hockey games up there. Not so much in the U.S. these days. But that's an argument for, oh, Wednesday and Thursday, whenever every casual fan realizes, why can't I see Team X? Mm-hmm. Well, Team I mean, X being the Oilers? No, uh, Team X is the guys they go against Speed Racer quite a bit. Oh, the Racer X squad. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But unfortunately, that name is taken and lawyers run this league. So, Team X. I don't know how it could have been taken. There was a band called Racer X that was pretty popular. Well. And they came out long after the cartoon. Patrick's Legal Corner brought to you by. (laughs) (laughs) So listening to all of this, it just got in my head thinking, you ever know of a a movie that you really enjoyed that just kind of bombed at the box office and then had that cult comeuppance in you know either on demand or you know back when we used to rent videos and stuff from a physical location you know the kind that's holding uh the 45th president of the united states to the fire and has a 30 some odd thousand dollar bill he's being sent Did you <laughs> see that one on twitter oh the son of the of the president Oh, is that who it was? Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, who's paying the bills? Oh, wait, we are. Anyway. Um, but no, like sometimes a movie critic could basically bury a movie before it even comes out. And then we have this semi-reversionist history where when we actually go to watch it, when it's on said streaming service from this point on, we realize it was actually good and might have been something we enjoyed in theaters. And that's kind of how I think the Canadian media and a lot of expats treat, you know, non-traditional markets. Everyone is making the Florida Panthers jokes that they may have up to 5,000 fans in their building, foolishly as it is, in the next couple of weeks. And that's as good as they typically draw up. But when they keep doing that garbage over and over again, it perpetuates Canadian media person says it to fan living in Canada. You joke, you laugh it off as a joke. 
said fan ends up moving to the U.S. in a market where they might go to a handful of games, either because of travel or they now live next to, you know, a U.S. team. And then they perpetuate the stereotype and you keep going on and on and on. Oversimplification of we keep trying to prop up everything in Canada, but we're not focusing on anything to help improve things. No, it's not propping up everybody in Canada. What it is, is thinking that Canada is the cash cow. Which it isn't. Propping up the rest of the league. That is the belief. That is why people go off on this thinking, well, hockey belongs in Canada and everybody in Canada loves hockey. And so if we have all the Canadian teams like bringing in all the all the fans, then that makes all the money. And it and that's the belief. That's it's not that we need to prop up the Canadian teams. It's that all of the Canadian teams are propping up the NHL. Right. And when it's not really true. there is there are two teams we can say that are contributing a lot to the share of the revenue pie, Toronto and Montreal. And then on any other given year, a different market can contribute. And I'm thinking Vancouver. Most. Well, and, and if you, if you leave Montreal to play only Canadian teams, you lose the Boston Montreal rivalry. Wow. This was a really long and circuitous route for you to get in your rant about how much the love guru was an underrated movie pat i mean you you took us down that way with the whole movie critic thing and i and i get it right you know but it really was a it really was a bad movie pat okay look i mean i you ruined my closing argument i mean do you secretly have my camera on and you're looking at my notes i'm, I'm just shocked you did take that latest firmware update for your Microsoft devices, right? So, yes. No, no. <laughs> this is what I get for switching to all your open source software. Lately. Yeah, by the Jeez. way, you might want to have that rash looked at. Um. <laughs> <laughs> Canada is not going to print more money for these teams. So no. while it, it creates what... maybe a sure thing, but it doesn't make any other issue better doesn't create a sure thing that's that's the thing is uh, oh wait patrick are you telling me there's a reason other than the telecoms that there isn't a second team in toronto like we've magically heard would work for years and years and years they've saturated that market they are not growing new fans at any appreciable rate could they put another team in toronto yes would that team sell out yeah i go i'd almost guarantee you it would but would it be at the cost of the Toronto Maple Leafs mar- uh, you know, margins? Uh, yes. 10 to 15%, I'd bet you, but it wouldn't be much. And given that across the board, U.S. and Canada, outside of the women's game, uh, player rates are dropping in both countries, which means future potential fans are also dropping because, well... TV isn't creating new fans, period. You can... They've saturated, and this is no offense to Canada. I love you, Canada. They can hear me because I'm that close. Um, They've they've max-saturated that market. If If they are growing at 2%, over time, even even annually in Canada, I would be absolutely shocked. I would hazard a guess it's probably less than a percent, maybe a percent annual growth in revenue from Canadians. Because it's just already saturated. Mm-hmm. And, the um, problem, and the problem we have down here is we're saturated with everything. Everything else is oversaturating. And given how hard it is just to watch or get to a game yeah. right now, like the, I think the biggest blow to the U.S. right now, hockey-wise, will be the Sinclair acquiring regional Fox Sports Networks and making it near impossible to watch unless you're on one of three television providers right now. Well, that's... 
that is a rant for me from me for another day about how the FCC completely boned us by allowing conglomerates to own yeah yeah it killed local radio it's killed local tv it's, it's killed region- local newspapers yep and it's it's killing regional sports networks so yeah so it makes sense that pierre luc dubois wants to go somewhere else doesn't it no it doesn't oh so you actually have some common sense and you're not just believing what's thrown out there by certain insiders uh you mean insiders <laughs> no because there have been a couple that have said we've heard all this something's not adding up and something hasn't added up for me for a while too yeah you know and and if i hear one more person you know who would want to get screamed at by tortorella all the time i'm like go talk to any of his effing players about I how much that. he scree- about how much he screams at them go talk to him go talk to even the ones that hated him Go talk to Anthony Duclair about how much he screamed at Anthony Duclair. Anthony Duclair has even said, no, you know, I'm really disappointed in what he said, but he was always up front with me. You never, you never had to guess. And And after those comments came out, didn't one Tortorella reach out to the player? Yes. He said, I wish he basically said, I wish the kid all the luck. You know, he's a hell of a kid, you know? Liking someone and evaluating or talking about your performance are things that most individuals just can't separate. I, uh, having been in management for a while, it took me a long time to get to understand that the Godfather is really rules of business. It's not personal, it's business. Right? And after listening to Brian Burke, who just still drives me nuts, but I, you know, it's, Anyway, it's a love hate relationship. It, it, it really is. It really is. Um, but he's got it right. You know, if you got bad news to give to someone, you give them something, you make it an Oreo. You give them something good, you tell them the bad stuff, you give them something positive to end on. You know, because you're, you're not trying to, to destroy the human being, you're trying to make them a better hockey player. The, the two things are not at odds with one another. Right, you can't be a good human being and a bad hockey player and not improve your hockey without giving up. You know, being a good human being. No, that's not the case. You can be a good both, right? You can be a great human being and a great hockey player if you work at them. I'm trying not to segue into a Tony D'Angelo talk here. I'm really not. Oh God. Well, let's talk about Joshua Hosang then, and we'll go the other direction. Yeah, and that's kind of where I was hoping this would would lead. Um, Two things were disappointing to this morning when I saw that waiver list. Well, one disappointment, one kind of disappointment. Noah Juleson being placed on waivers by the Habs is kind of disappointing to me. I don't. I see that they likely don't have room for him anymore. And I know he's had some injury problems, but, uh, you know, I, I, I have a soft spot for my silver tips, for my former silver tips. And that's a kid in watching that I think there's something there. So I hope he gets picked up. The other one that, that was, I, don't, I can't call it disappointing. I can't call it shocking. But it was kind of surprising in a non-surprising sense. That they placed him on waivers, Josh Hosang? Well, I think the non-surprising part was, was he technically part of training camp? No. Yeah, see, so right there, that that told you everything you needed to know. Yeah. Because you saw certain players go on waivers early who weren't part of training camps. So, you know, last Wednesday, for example. And then this week, it's... All right, these are the guys we're we're gonna kind of lump you all in, and hopefully we can get you onto the taxi squads. And then I think the late cuts will be, all right, you either make it or you don't. For right, several and the, teams. 
Yeah, that's and that's kind of what I think for most of them, except Hosang. I think it really was. Hey, anybody? Anybody? And if I'm the New Jersey Devils, I'm going, yeah, your stuff's not far away. Get over here. <laughs> yeah, it would make you know? sense. And since we talked about Crawford and for the Devils to lose him, it's it stinks because he is a goalie when he is healthy. He's a solid, solid goalie. He can hide a lot of issues up yeah. in front of him. Yeah. Uh, he, he did it, you know, before the Blackhawks really, you know, went up, went off the cliff. But Hosang, his his long-term future as a point producer is kind of over in the NHL. Doesn't mean he can't carve out an, a niche career going if, forward, especially with a bunch of jobs opening up if with Seattle gets, next season. Yeah, if he gets you 20 and 30 for 50 over a season, I'd be ecstatic for him. Because I yeah, have... That's reasonable. That's a, right. that's a nice, solid, like... That's that's player. a guy that can that's a guy that can balance between your top three lines and still find ways to contribute, right? Yeah. And those are the kind of guys that tend to, you know, in a sixteen game playoff run, also net you like, you know, ten and fifteen or ten and twenty, you know. They just because they play the same game for eighty two that they play for the next, you know, sixteen plus. It's just, you know, that's that's who they are. And it's going to take a team that just has a roster space and just let you play. Like, there's your tweener player, you know, too good for the AHL, not really good enough for the NHL. We've seen a dime a dozen of those. We really don't know what Hosang is at the NHL. He's played 53 games across three seasons and he's and how many different up, coaches and he's put up points in those 53 games i mean he didn't light the world on fire but he also didn't slow no, way into the dark he's almost a half a point of player which is yeah. respectable for anyone mid six yeah in a forward group like i said that gets you close to 20 and 30 a season so playing on a team like the devils or hell he'd be good in ottawa too yeah, but I was just thinking with the the um, the stuffs. Yeah, right. You know, no, yeah. no. A U uh, only a U.S. team would pick him up because right. any time delay would just derail his season, and that's kind of the last thing he needs. Yeah, you know, being I, a healthy scratcher, just being on a taxi squad. If I'm the Devils, hell, if if I'm Florida, you know. Well, Flo- Florida is Florida's cool. tougher because they just claimed one defenseman yeah. off waivers, and that means they're on your roster. And I think they've got designs on playoffs. I want to see, I want to see him in a on a team that I hate saying it this way has nothing to gain, has nothing to lose. You know, anything they gain this season is pure frosting because they're still in a development cycle. And I think that's the devils, right? Yeah, they're 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 taking step for they're taking steps forward, sort of the right way, you know. And I think he would be one of those guys, you know. He's it's it's sort of like the old mantra, you know, the coach that you rebuild with is not the one that gets you to the Stanley Cup, generally, right? He may be one of those guys for them, you know. And given that. Travis Zajac, Kyle Palmieri, uh, Nikita Gusev. They're all about to be UFAs. Yeah. They they still have Jesper Bratt, still unsigned, who's you know a 22-year-old player. We don't know. But they've got a roster spot for this guy. Yeah. Yeah. He's free, right? <laughs> Effectively, you don't you don't give up any assets. You just take his existing contract. If he clears waivers, or if, if you claim him, um, you know, doesn't cost you anything. Yeah, and he's signed to a minimum. <sighs> yeah, he's salary. a bar deal. Yeah, I think it's still a two way. So it is a two way, and I think New Jersey can cover his minor league salary, which is you know, yeah, higher for a player of his age as you 
as one would expect. So, and you've got some talented centers. Yeah, but it comes down really to the coach, you know, in that kind of situation, because there are a lot of coaches who would take a guy like that and think, oh, well, that's all he is. You know, what what he has done so far in the NHL is all he is and not not actually reevaluate the situation that he was in and reevaluate the player as in what they're capable of. Because, I mean, he's still young enough that development within the NHL team, which a lot of NHL coaches don't like to do, is still possible. But um, but that's that's really what's going to make or break him at this point is if he can find a place where he fits. And two, if the coach is willing to work with him. But I think, and sorry, Pat, I think Nezra Dean is one of those guys who would, right? I, I'm sorry, who? Elaine Nezra Dean. I'm sorry. Uh, Lindy Ruff is not available at the moment. Please leave a message. Yeah, we're going to have several weeks of, oh, he's here now. Because my mind went to, I actually think Hosang reminds me of a player profile of Lindy Ruff's time in Buffalo. Not so much in Dallas, but a, a forward that he could work with and turn into something. I, I the reason I said Nazruddin is because I think if they did it, they'd basically turn him over to Nazruddin, which is possible and let rough you know, fo- focus on Jack Hughes. Let's say and Jack Hughes and Nico Heischer. You know, let let him focus on building those guys and let Nazruddin get because Hosang's not new to the rodeo, right? He's he's been playing in the AHL for what four years now? Um you know, outside of his occasional missteps of missing practice or being late for something or being late for practice, he's been pretty much under the radar. I mean we haven't heard a lot of stuff about him being disciplined for this or that outside of the little dust up, but I'm not reporting, but can't say as I blame him. You know, I know I sound like an apologist, but this is just one of those. It's like, especially after the light of all the um, Akeem Aliyu stuff, give him a chance in the NHL. He's either gonna he's either gonna make you happy, or he's gonna end up bouncing around. And if he ends up bouncing around, he's basically just said, "I don't care." But we don't know what, like you said, Pat, at the end of the day, we still don't know what he is at the NHL level. And I want to see what he is. It also kind of has me scratching my head when you mentioned Nazardine, you know, what's his role in this organization? Because here's one I forgot about completely. Uh, Mark Rex 